Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Andy J Podcast. Hi, welcome to this week's episode of the Andy J Podcast. I hope you're doing all right. Thank you very much for joining us this week. I hope this week's show will give you a lift and entertain you and distract you and just take you somewhere else for a little bit because we have three very special guests for you. My final guest of this show is a musical icon, the incredible Bonnie Tyler, total of the clips of the heart singer herself. Oh, yes. And my goodness, she's great company. I can't wait for you to hear from Bonnie. She's so much fun. Before her, we have one of acting's finest, Green Wing star, star of episodes, and so much more, the brilliant Stephen Mangan. He's just hilarious, charismatic, fun, entertaining, highly engaging. And my first guest this week is the sensational Jill Halfpenny, who has a new show out where she, my word, she steps up to the plate and shows her acting range absolutely brilliant so those are your three guests for this week and and just quickly i hope you're doing all right this feels like a particularly strange chapter if my friends and my group that are that i'm in touch with or anything to go by right now right now where we're at the sort of you know the tail end of january 2021 is just a bit weird people are finding it pretty tough so if you're in the same boat i'm finding it tough my lot are finding it tough People are missing hugs and interaction and going to the pub and just all of that. And it's funny, it's different to the first couple of lockdowns. You know, the first one we had the sunshine and this kind of team spirit that the whole planet was moving together to defeat this ruddy thing. And then obviously the second one, I don't know, it was slightly different because we were building up to Christmas perhaps. But this one just seems, even with the vaccine being rolled out, this one just seems to be taking its toll on people now i don't know if uh, you guys are having to face homeschooling etc we certainly are and that's exhausting and it seems to be more exhausting this time out than it did previously i don't know why but let's whatever you're going through just keep going that's all i can say keep breathing keep breathing oh i'm really talking to myself at this stage i'll let you get onto the celebrity conversations but i would just encourage you if you're having a rough ride no you're not alone and I mean, have a listen to the wellness episode we put out over Christmas. I've given you all of the phone numbers for places like Samaritans, etc. If you need it, it is there. For now, I hope you've come to us for some entertainment. And well, let's jump in, shall we? Three lovely celebrities that I hope give you a real lift. Have an excellent show. Enjoy yourselves. And thanks again for your company. The Andy J Podcast. Okay, I'm so pleased to welcome to the show my next guest, an actor who, I'll tell you this, one of my very good friends is a casting agent, and I mentioned to him that I would be chatting to her, and he said, you know what, Jill is so brilliant, I would cast her in anything. And he has, in fact, he's cast her in Dark Money and a few other things. It is the incredible, the sensational Jill Halfpenny. How are you doing, Jill? Well, that was a lovely intro. Well, the, honestly, so much. Jill, the range and brilliance of the roles you've played, and you, I mean, you are phenomenally good at what you do. Oh, that's really, really lovely. Thank you very, very much. I feel a little bit shy, but that's really nice. I'm, I'm, I'm practicing taking compliments. <laughs> that's an interesting one, isn't it? There's, I've been chatting to so many people during lockdown and, and hearing kind of people's different life stories and their kind of their words of wisdom and their advice. And, you know, this whole show is designed to try and get people through and distract them and, and show that we're all in it together. And, and things that have stuck with me several times are these people that are kind of bringing out these self-help stuff. And they always say, you've got to take a compliment. Well, I never do. I'm always like, oh, okay, kind of, but it's... <laughs> It's embarrassing, isn't it, when someone says nice things? You're just like, okay, thanks. I'll just crawl under this rock for a minute while I stop blushing. It is, and and I always thought it was kind of more humble to say like, oh no, or oh, but actually, you know, when I compliment someone, I don't want it thrown back at me. Mm. I, I, if I say to someone, I think you're brilliant, I don't want them to say, oh no, no, because that's like an insult. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. So, so yeah, I've just become like, 
if somebody says something nice, I'm just going to look into their eyes and say, thank you, that's lovely. Because that is what I'm feeling, but I just get embarrassed about it. Well, it's because there's no sort of, there's that kind of fine line, isn't there? If someone says really something really nice to you, about you, you've got to say thank you because it seems like the right thing to do. But also if you say thank you, it's like saying, yeah, you're right, I'm great. And it's just like, oh! <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's catch twenty two, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, I mean, you need to almost say, "And you've got excellent taste," you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear, <laughs> we've gone off on a tangent, but I love that. That's we have. Fun. Sorry, I tell you what, though. Here's, I mean, Jill, you know, you've been in so many different shows that the nation knows what a phenomenal performer you are. But I, I've got to tell you, the new show, The Drowning. Now, I've got several questions. And there's so much I need to know, and I'll probably need to stop recording at some point and ask you some things off air as well. I, Because we're chatting, I've been sent an early episode. And first and foremost, let me just say, just to finish the compliment, you are phenomenal in this show. This must have been an incredibly hard character to, to, to live in, the skin you have to live in and the, the emotions you have to portray. And, and oh my gosh, I was with you every second, every single frame. I knew what your character was thinking, what was going on, the turmoil, the conflict, the the, the kind of vague nature of of where you'd be kind of thinking about, what, right, what am I going to do here? How do, what do, I, do I follow him? What, I, can't, I, can't, I can't be right. I was just, I was with you 100%. And, I, and that's testament to how brilliant you are. Well, that's really lovely of you. And thank you so much. I, I am, I did enjoy playing Jodie, the character. She She was, and actually, even though, like you said, you know, she she lives in this constant tension and conflict and turmoil, even though that is obviously kind of uncomfortable to have in your body and, and can be tricky to play, I actually, because of like the intention behind what she was doing, mm. it was it was so clear why she was doing everything she was doing that I, I found that part of it was easy. I never had to... Sometimes you get scripts and you think, why? Why are they doing that? And why are they doing this? And sometimes you just have to sort of let that go a little bit and think, okay, they are. And I'm just going to have to make this work. Yeah. But with Jodia, I never really questioned why. You know, even though they might not be my decisions, I always thought, yeah, yeah, I totally understand why she's doing that. Amazing. And even when she gets way more out of control and way more reckless as the show goes on, um, I was like, no, I get it. I get it. And I think I would be the same in her position. Well, so far, everything that your character has done in episode one, I would have been exactly the same, if not more frantic. So just <laughs> just because I fear I will give a massive spoiler away and you've probably been yeah. told what you're allowed to say. Can you just give us the, the, the most basic of outlines so that the, the audience know why I'm kind of on the edge of my seat and desperate to know what happens in episode two, etc.? <laughs> yes. So I think without giving anything away, um, Jodie's son went missing nine years ago. Mm. A lot of her family believe that her son is dead. Jodie doesn't. And on her way to work to do a pitch one morning, she sees her son on his way to school. She absolutely knows it's him. He's got a scar just under his eye that her son had. He looks exactly the same. And she jumps out of the car. She gets on the bus and she follows him to school. And she's so convinced that she then gets a job at the school, infiltrates her way in there um, to be a music teacher because she's a musician, and she tries to get to the bottom of why her son is living a different life with another parent in a different town and is not with her. Oh, you see, I've got chills again, and you've given away a lot more than I would have done, incidentally, Jill. So. <laughs> so I'm so glad you said it. I've written myself a little synopsis, and I've crossed out virtually every <laughs> sentence, and you've <laughs> you've gone with all of them. But I mean, right? So let's get let's get back to basics, okay? You, you're a parent, you know, as I am. You're a parent yourself. You see the yeah. kind of you see the outline for this, and it's like, okay, Jill, we're going to get you to play a mother who loses a child doesn't necessarily die but just loses a child i mean emotionally how do you even get there that i mean i would hate that how do you how do you live with that yeah i think that um right right we i think i think i think it's pretty universal that we would all think that losing your child is the worst thing that could possibly happen to yes, you yes. but i think to me an extra level of uh trauma is if you don't if if, there, if it's if you don't really know what's happened right. if there's if there's still a mystery, so if you think your child is just missing, then you can't ever move on. 
how can you ever accept that someone's dead if you don't know they're dead or if you don't believe they're dead? Yeah. And that's where she finds herself. And I wouldn't wish that on my worst enemy. I think that is the must be the worst feeling in the world and the loneliest, most isolating feeling in the world as well. Mm. I just can't even believe that she can get out of bed. I really can't. Yeah. Like she's kind of extraordinary. Yeah, well, it, it, as a as a parent, you watch it and it takes you to places you don't want to go. I mean, you you know, yeah. you don't want to even <laughs> yeah. open those doors. I mean, I tell you that the, the night after I watched it, I must have tucked my lads in seventy times. You know, got up, <laughs> got got up constantly. <laughs> checked the front door was locked again and again. I mean, oh dear me! So how you lived with that for the for the duration of the filming? Crikey! I mean. How did you do it? I, I know you're an actor and I, I know that that's the job, but nonetheless, you know, you portray it so, so well that you were obviously living with it. I don't know if your method or whatever the terms are for the, for these, um, you know, the, the I, styles of performance, but you seem to be I right in I there. Just, yeah, you know what? I, I, I've, I've been around for a long time, as you know. Um, <laughs> and I think I've just got to the point where, look, I know I can look at my schedule for that day and I know what I need to do that day. Do I need to be on my own? Do I need to take myself away? Or sometimes you might read a scene and even if it's a really emotional scene or a really difficult scene, the best thing might be that I talk to people, right. that, I just, that I just laugh and, and, I, and I, I feel quite light because I know that I'm about to get plunged into something else. It just honestly really, really, really depends. But... But yes, there are definitely moments where it's like headphones on, sit in a corner, tap me on the shoulder when you're ready, and I don't want to speak to anyone in that time. And that's just my way, you know. That's just sometimes what it takes for me to to have to go to some of those places. But yeah. everyone's different. Yeah. Yeah, I, I have only the tiniest uh, sort of uh, thing that I can call on. I was in Des, the um, the David Tennant drama with Daniel Mays. So we've both been directed you were in by, it. by Lewis. I was, yeah. <laughs> yeah, tiny, tiny little role. I was the reporter. I've seen that. What were, you, what were you? I was the reporter. So I was the one that kept on popping up and uh, and, and chatting outside the, the, um, the courthouse and stuff, giving you the updates. On, yeah, you know, get you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a tiny, tiny role. That's, I mean, it was. Come on, it was such a good show, and Lewis, obviously, oh, as you know, hero. is amazing. Incredible, incredible. But but I guess what I was trying to say is, you know, obviously I didn't have any difficulty calling on doing some reporting, but but being able to witness David Tennant, who obviously had to carry some serious, mm -hmm. grim kind of personalization on, on what he was doing versus, say, Danny Mays, who, was, who also had a lot of heavyweight stuff. Danny was kind of lively, bouncing off the walls, jumpy, really fun. But there would be days when David was just like, you just, no, don't, you don't want to go near David. You know, he's, yeah. he's like in the zone right yeah. now. You give him a wide berth. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, what a, I, I thought that was such a, a, a complex, character to play I mean usually you because he had to he had to carry all the the, the knowledge and the weight of what he had done mm. but Des himself is quite a detached person yeah when he's so I thought that was incredible performance from David because what he had to do was really really difficult because as actors we're always trying to like connect 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 but actually a lot of the time, he was very disconnected from the. He, he was he was manipulating the people around him, but he was also emotionally quite detached. And I just thought he was outstanding. Yeah, it was a, it was remarkable to witness and an absolute joy to to watch it after the fact as well. I mean, incredible. Naturally, it was mostly made by my performance as as uh, as, as the news anchor, but nonetheless, I mean, yeah, I've heard. I think I think you're up for a BAFTA. I've heard that. It would I only seem fair. Confirmed. It would only seem well, fair. based on my word count. I would hope it would be like best supporting actor, you know, something like that, you know. No, no, no. It's it's it, it, you're just up for best reporter in Dev. Right. Okay. Well, listen. You're a, you're a lady of great taste. <laughs> There's only I... one person in the category. <laughs> it's a brand new category. <laughs> <laughs> it won't be filmed. It'll be the category that they never show on telly. That's you know okay. the one where they say, In the break, we awarded <laughs> Best Reporter. In Des to Andy J. And it was his <laughs> hair that made it. Because they did have enormous hair in the show. So <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you give good hair. Oh, it was amazing. Tell me, Joe, what I mean, you know, you 
I've had a chance to chat to a few actors in my time now, and, and no one seems motivated by this. But but when you are like up for awards and things, how much does that actually matter? Is is it is it ever in your head when you get a script, for example? Do you think, ooh, this might put me in the frame for something? This could be my Oscar. Um, <laughs> no, I don't. I don't think like that. But I think that it would be really dishonest of me to say that if you are up for an award, it it, it feels good. Like of course it does. It feels. It feels good to be acknowledged by your peers. feels really great. Um, but I think most actors know, especially in the UK, that it really isn't the be-all and end-all and that there are so many amazing performances every single year that don't even get acknowledged. Mm. So I think you have to be, I think you have to be very like rational about it when you are up for something or you win something. You think, yeah, that is great, and I'm so honoured and pleased. But like, there are really thousands of people who are brilliant. So I, I don't, I don't know. Does that make sense? What I'm saying, yes, or am I trying to yes, do like does. that no. humble thing? Well, no. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You're just you're just doing that humble thing. And that's and that's fine. <laughs> no, it makes complete sense because you don't. You'd never set out to go. Oh well, I'm going to do this because mm-hmm. it might win me an award. Presumably, you set God, out no, because no, you no. believe in the project. It excites you. It brings you to life. Whatever it might be. And then if the the byproduct is that you've been so darn good that someone wants to say, well, here's a here's a bit of metal to show you you're great. Then fantastic. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. It's a it's a little cherry on the cake. I boiled it down to the brass tacks there, haven't I? I mean. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a bit of metal to say you're good. That's yeah. <laughs> what is that even? I don't know what I'm I saying. I like now. it. Good. I like it. A bit of metal to say you're good. Why not? That's that's kind of it. That's kind of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'd just rather get another job, to be honest. Oh, okay. I did well. Yes, uh, exactly. Got reemployed. Yes, please. This award, this award means a lot to me, but you know what would mean more? If someone would employ me. Yes. Some work. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> I mean, Jill, you're you're at the level now. I mean, you've been at the level for ages. You alluded to the fact that you've been doing this a long time. You know, of course, you started out, I think, age 14, wasn't it, in Biker Grove? And mm-hmm. you've, been, you've been in everything. And everyone knows you in the UK. It must be quite a strange sort of experience even going shopping as Jill Halfpenny because everyone looks at you and kind of knows who you are. But have you ever thought, do you know what? Let's try going over the pond and, and you know, doing something else somewhere else. Or is it? are you very much focused on being in the UK and continuing in, in this in this groove? I I think if I hadn't have had my son, um, I would have at some point went over to LA and done um, pilot season like okay. a fair few times. I think I, I hadn't thought of it before I had my son. It kind of, you know, people were doing it, but it was nowhere near as kind of popular as, as it is now. Like it's just almost a given now that actors do it. Um, so I think by the time I had Harvey, it was just felt it just felt a bit like, okay, it seems a big upheaval for him. And if I did go over there, c- could I could I really live there? Could I relocate there? It just so nowadays the way I I see it is I still go up for quite a lot of American shows because mm-hmm. you know they, they you know they often ask to see um, British actors. So I do a lot of self-tape for American shows. And you know what? If if at some point I get one, I'll make the decision then. But I think right now, it, it because of the way the world is, I'm not sure whether going over for pilot season is the right thing for me to do right now. Yeah. Hey, listen, I could possibly do it when Harvey was an adult. Yeah, absolutely. I could go over and, and do it then and just see what it was like, just, just for the hell of it, you know, but... Um, I think with with self tapes now, like we just can be seen by the rest of the world very easily in a way that we couldn't when I first started out. Yeah, no, that's a really good way of looking at it. And I mean, I had Celia Imrie on the show recently, and she, <gasps> I love her. Oh, she's I love her. absolute joy. Yeah, lovely, lovely lady. And she didn't, as she called it, break the states, as it were, until she was in her sixties. And and that was mainly because she was just really happy with what she was doing. You know, she was like, "Well, I'm I'm in a good space. Why should I?" Is she talking about like better things when she says break the states? Yeah, yeah, isn't oh, it great? She's so good in it. Yeah, she's great. Oh, she's just so good. But yes, I mean. That must be amazing as well to 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 have that experience when you're in your sixties. Like I just feel that with every year that passes me by, I'm more grateful for the things that come my way. So I can only imagine when 
I'm in my 60s. So just the sheer joy and gratitude of going, this is brilliant. Yeah. I'm having the time of my life. Like, I really would love that to happen, like, for me. Like, I would absolutely love that just to get to the point where you're like, this is nothing but joyous. I'm just so grateful. Yeah. Yeah, and actually her role in that is, is, is just a right hoot, isn't it? You kind of slightly dirty-minded grandma. Perfect, you know? That, that it's brilliant, isn't laugh, it? Right? Yeah. yeah, it's probably brilliant. Yeah, yeah. You're so right that, you know, you've reflected on the moment, you know, right now, lockdown number three, and everything's uncertain. We don't know what the heck's going on. I, You know, I, I imagine, in fact, I know The Drowning was filmed just before lockdown Point one, wasn't it? You just got it finished in time. No. No. So we filmed half of it just before lockdown one. Okay. And then we came back six months later and filmed the the next half just before lockdown two. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, having not seen the later episodes, obviously it's it's hard to know. But did did that have an impact on the staging and the setting? Because obviously social distancing was a thing by that point. You know what? Weirdly, it's we. Really, I think we got quite lucky. Within this show, there isn't a huge amount of physical, like close contact. There are no like kissing scenes and things like that. So, as far as that was concerned, we were we we, we were fine. And obviously, we had to adhere very strictly to all of the rules about masking. And mm. we had one um um like cast member who needed to be isolated on her own and, and all of that. And it was, you know, we, we all did it. I mean, it was very strange, but we all did it. But um, other than that, we, we just really, really, really wanted to get it done. We just, we, we, we all just were prepared to do anything we could to just get this finished. And we did. I'm so glad you did. I mean, I, I genuinely, I, I do intend to stop recording and ask you what happens because I can't wait. I mean, I think it's, is it going to be stripped over a few nights? I know it starts on the 1st of February on Channel 5. It's going to be played over four nights. Oh. Sorry, I'm just letting somebody in the door. Sorry. <laughs> oh, so, sorry, I'm really there. Sorry. Um, um, yes, it's going to be, it's going to be aired over four nights, um, which I think is a really nice way to watch it. Yeah. Because... You can watch one and you're not going to binge it. You're going to talk about it and digest it and be like, oh, I wonder what will happen and what's he about and what's she about. And then within four nights, it's going to be done and dusted. And I think I think that's the perfect way to, to watch a thriller, actually. I think that's absolutely on the money because, like you say, we are a binge society now and it's so easy to just go, right, next, 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 next. But actually, yeah. this, this is so intense and so kind of emotionally, it leaves you on a knife edge that you do actually need the processing time. You know, it's yeah. it, like I say, I mean, it's lived with me, you know, 48 hours or so now that since I've watched it and I'm just like, oh, it's still there, you know. So to know that the next night, OK, tomorrow we find out what happens then and then there's the progression. I think that makes a huge amount of sense. And, and I bet it does brilliantly, Jill. I mean, it is that good. Uh, I hope so. I really do. I, you know, it's um, it was it, it was a really happy experience for me as well. Um, and I say that a lot and I, it never... I, I'm always grateful for that because, you know, as you know, because you work in this business as well, it's, it can be it can be difficult sometimes and it can be tricky. So when you are working, if you do have those brilliant experiences, you're just like, oh, yes, yes, yes. I'm doing what I love and I'm doing it with people that I adore. Great. Great. And you're doing it brilliantly. I mean, it really is. You are fantastic in it. I mean, I could say that about everything you've done and, you know, it would be true. But this really, it, it's, a, it's a landmark moment, Jill. It's such a great performance in such a, a hauntingly brilliant drama. I mean, well done, you. Oh, thank you. I'm really pleased that you enjoyed it. And I really hope you, you enjoy the rest of it as well. You'll have to let me know. I will. I'll be bothering you. I mean, like I say, I want to ask you what happened. I can't wait. You know, I... <laughs> I know it's only a few days away, but even so, I'm desperate. You to have go. to wait. Oh, it's too hard. Delayed, it's too much. delayed gratification. This is what life's all about these days. Well, you say that. I mean, you know, that's stinging his tantric sex, isn't it? Back in the day. <laughs> Listen, while we're talking, I'm literally eyeing up a giant Toblerone that I've got, and I'm thinking, <laughs> when, when, when could I have another, another triangle of this Toblerone? Like, this is how. This is how childish I am, and I do not have delayed gratification in my wheelhouse. I'm like, I need more. <laughs> I love you for that, because for your giant Toblerone, I'll raise you a Terry's chocolate orange, which is winking at oh, me. Oh, <laughs> mm, 
Oh, I think we should go and have a chocolate break then. <laughs> Jill, it's been an absolute joy. What what wonderful oh. company you've been. I've really, really loved talking to you. Thank you so much for Thank your time. Thank you so much. The Andy J Podcast. I am thrilled to welcome to the show one of the nation's most beloved actors, one of my favourite people on screen and stage. It is the resplendent Mr. Stephen Mangan. How are you doing, Stephen? Hello, good afternoon. I'm very well. How are you? I'm alive and kicking. You know, I think that's about as far as you're allowed to say right now, isn't it? It's, it's a strange all, old time. That's all we can ask. Yeah, it's it's really desperately weird, isn't it? I, I you know, I think it, the length of time we've been all doing this, uh, the fact that it's winter and cold, uh, but, you know, summer is coming. It's bright, bright horizons are, are not far away, I'm sure of it. I hope you're right. I mean, I think it's the uncertainty, isn't it? It's just this, well, so how much longer is this going to go on for? You know, it's the novelty's kind of over, isn't it? Oh, completely, completely. Uh, it was quite fun to try and teach my children maths for a while, and now uh, I just hide in cupboards. <laughs> how are you getting on with the whole homeschooling thing? Because it's, it's more tiring than I was anticipating. Oh, it's, it's great. I mean, we, we really played it badly because we really spread our children out over quite a few years. We've got a 13-year-old, a 10-year-old, and a 4-year-old. So there's a whole range of needs uh, educationally, emotionally, yeah. physically, you know, trying to tire them out is just a day's work in itself. Uh, I, I think we ought to immediately give all school teachers uh, a 100% pay rise because they are saints. In absolutely. My eyes. No, absolutely. And and look, we've got so much to discuss. Most important, of course, is, is books, which we'll get onto in a second. But while you're mentioning kids, I do need your advice, Stephen, because you mentioned you've spread yours out. I'm a father yeah. of two boys. I believe you have three. Uh, yeah. Because you, you have three lads, don't you? I know you've said you've got three children, but they're all boys. I do, yeah. yeah. So I am about to become a father to three boys. I mean, we are oh my moments away. How much harder is it? Just, just tell me. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, no one can prepare you for the joy slash exhaustion slash uh, emotional reckoning and physical reckoning that is coming your way. I mean, it's, 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 it's utterly glorious. There is nothing, there's no sound better than hearing your three children make each other laugh. Yeah. And there is no sound worse than the three of your children arguing about something <laughs> trivial. So you've got all that, you've got the joy and the sorrow to come. I mean, I, 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 uh, I, I doff my hat to you because, uh, you know, you'll, you will have a, you, it's amazing and it's, and it's awful all at the same time. <laughs> well, you must have a secret, right? Because, I mean, I, I, I know how old you are. I can't believe how old you are. I don't know if yeah. you found this, right? But you still look fantastically youthful, right? Now, my first yeah. one, I've seen photographs of myself before his birth and then about six months after. That aged me a good decade. My second one put on at least 30 years i now look like i'm you know well i could be sitting next to biden right now so you know <laughs> how have you managed to do it visually so youthful is, is there some work going on what's happening Steve? Oh, i wish i wish i mean i have no idea i just got lucky with jeans i suppose and i, I have no idea also maybe doing a bit of theater so i'm away for six months of the evening <laughs> <laughs> that, that helps i i really i who knows i mean i i don't i feel 142 inside if that's any consolation <laughs> actually no because that just means right okay yeah i'm going to feel ancient inside as well all right great oh uh, you'll love it it's going to be great I, I you know i wish you well thank you no i'm i'm buzzing for it we're kind of being playful they're the greatest things in the world aren't they it's just it is amazing but but yes utterly shattering and i can't remember what a lie-in feels like but there we are oh no no you can kiss those goodbye yeah, well, I did seven years ago, and it's yeah, yeah. I miss them. I don't even think yeah. they were real these days. You know, you look back. No, no, they never existed. No, no. they never existed. No. <laughs> <laughs> now, Stephen, if you don't mind me saying, you, I, I keep looking at your career, and I keep thinking to myself, you are the definition of a Renaissance man. I don't <laughs> because you, you've managed to do literally. If you look at your CV. You've done the whole shebang. I mean, let's start with the education. Unbelievable, right? Cambridge. You know, you, you just thought, okay, well, I'll go and do law at Cambridge. I mean, the, the, probably the hardest place to do it, the hardest place to get into, the most sort of lofty and, and impressive. Yeah, I'll do that. I'm not going to. You're not going to use law though. Don't. I've got the degree. Whatever. Fine. Nice. That's nice. Then I'll go to Rada. That sounds good. The greatest place for actors. Yeah, I'll just do that for a bit. Then I'll tread the boards, you know, West End, Broadway, etc. Then I'll be in the awesome comedy Green Wing. And then it all flows from there. So then you become a phenomenal actor at stage, screen, television, movies. By the way, huge fan. 
clearly. Thank you. Very then, you decide, then you decide, actually, this is good. I'm good at this. I, I've earned my chops as an actor. I'm going to show off to all the people that are doing their best, like me, being presenters, to just show how easy it is. I'll do some, do some stuff about art. No problem. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'll write a book. Well, thanks very much, Stephen. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I mean, uh, jack of all trades is the, is the term that comes to mind. Master of none. I mean, I don't know. I I, I get bored easily, and um, and uh, I don't really know what to say. I, I uh, the book the book I'm very excited about because it that does feel the presenting felt felt like a sort of a, a branch of acting in a way. You know, it's like I'm playing a part of 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 this presenter, and it didn't feel like a huge stretch. And basically, you know, Portrait Artist of the Year is a really well put together. Uh, series and landscape artists of the year they, mm. they, those guys who make that show really know what they're doing and and, my, and you know i don't have to know anything about art i talk to people basically i'm chatting to people that's all i do mm. so i don't i you know I, I know people love the show and i i love it as well but I, I i don't feel what i do is 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 rocket science but um uh the writing does feel like it does feel like a whole new sort of uh, world opening up and it's very very exciting um uh, I think as an actor, you are, you know, it's it's kind of an it's 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 an interpretive art, if you like. You know, you're taking the work that other people have done, and you're putting your spin on it and trying to make it, you know, as believable or as funny or as interesting or as sad or whatever it is as possible. Mm. But you are you are sort of further down the creative river, if you like, you know. And as a writer, you are you are at the you know the spring. You are the, you are the sort of you know you are the world builder. You are making. Uh, stuff out of thin air and that to me feels more scary uh more exciting um uh and so you know to, to be doing that is very exciting so yeah i've written this um a, a children's novel which um you can uh, your oldest will probably be able to read uh, with my sister uh who has done the illustrations and uh, anita mangan who's, who's a very fine artist um so that book is coming out in june i'm very excited about that escape the rooms and i'm writing a film I'm adapting a book called Harry and the Wrinklies, which is a, uh, I suppose, about a 30-year-old kid's book about a young boy and a load of old-age pensioners. Um, <laughs> I thought it was going to be a of Harry and the Hendersons for a minute then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's sort, of, it's sort of a Robin Hood story. They kind of, they're a bunch of old crooks who um, who rob uh, from the rich and give to the poor, and Harry is sent to live with them. And, and it's a really fun sort of caper adventure family film. And as you, know, as you will know yourself, uh, we, you know, I, I feel like I've watched nearly every single children's movie that has ever been made, yes. uh, at, at least <laughs> at least twice each. I mean, there is not a film. I, I mean, we plow through, look through Amazon, and look through Apple, and look through all these things, trying to find ones we haven't seen, and there aren't any. So, you know, kids' <laughs> films, kids' films are very much kind of um, part of my life at the moment. So it was exciting to to uh, to write that and also you know looking back at you know you talked about the stuff I've done as an actor most of it's really filthy uh, frankly <laughs> it, it is which is which and is none, why it's so wonderful <laughs> and none of my children are allowed to watch it until they're 25 so <laughs> so I need to do something I need to do something that you know that they could um, they could enjoy so uh, so yeah so yes I'm I'm uh, uh, I'm enjoying the writing I'm really pleased. This is lovely. And I love that you've mentioned that you've written the book with your sister as well, because, you know, one thing that lockdown seems to have, have brought out, and I, I'm kind of acutely aware of this as someone that interviews people, is that there seems to be a resurgence of two major things. Everyone has either brought out a podcast or written a book. Right? I mean, <laughs> there's just loads of it, right? It's, it's yeah, everywhere. Yeah. Because people yeah. have got a bit of time on their hands. Everything was put on pause yeah. for a while and then restarted and then paused and then face masks and distancing and, and so on and so forth. And so yeah. certainly, tail end of last year, I think there was a date, it was like the 16th of December or something like that, where it, that was the day of the release of every book out there. You know, like everyone... It was incredible, there. wasn't it? Oh, it was, yeah. you know, and, and it was, it's lovely because you're offered, you know, all the different interviews for people wanting to push their books and things, and you're just like, hang on, what? How many have we got going on? <laughs> so, so I'm thrilled that you've joined the ranks of people, but you've done it with a twist. You've done it firstly... You haven't written it just over lockdown. And secondly, you've, in, you've included your sister, which I think is a lovely touch, because if you can keep it in the family and there's talent there, more power to you. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's an, a, a, you know, a really interesting 
thing, writing something, and then, because obviously when we read books, we all read books, and we all imagine the characters in our head, and if the movie comes out, the book, sometimes you're like, oh, I didn't picture them like that at all, or oh, that's exactly how I imagine the characters. So it's really interesting to write something, and then and then have my sister, um, interesting to write something, and then have my sister, you know, produce the physical manifestation of what those characters look like, and they're, you know, the book is full of incredibly weird, I mean, there's, there's, a, there's a small frog who speaks and uh you know a polar bear and there's a, a man who's got no hair except coming out of his eyebrows which he sweeps back over the top of his head and uh <laughs> there, you there, like that by any chance yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there i mean there are there's a, the book is packed with a lot of weirdness um and i don't know whether people are going to read it and go wow you've you need help um <laughs> you need to go and see somebody i mean what i'm hoping is that kids will will go with me because i think that's what kids are so great at is they just go yeah all right I'll, I'll buy that um but yeah it was just it was fun because my sister is a you know has always been a talented artist and something i am absolutely hopeless at is art uh so it was nice to do something together um, after all these years because uh, you know i'm the only actor in the family so i've sort of plowed my own furrow as far as the rest of the family are concerned. So it's it's been great. Because I come from a family who've always worked together. My dad worked with his brothers and sisters. Uh, my mum's family worked together. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm from a family that are used to, um, you know, going to work, uh, going going into an office together every day. So it's nice to do that virtually with my sis. Yeah, no, that's lovely. And of course, you know, you, you'll need to sort of think about, you've got a good decade or so before you need to do this, Stephen, but you'll need to think about, you know, Mangan and Sons. Now you've got three boys, you know, there's, they've got to go into the family business. So, I mean, you've got to think oh, no, about what no it way. be. No, <laughs> is, that's, what you get, that's what you don't understand is I'm an actor. It's all about me. They can't, they, they, they aren't allowed. I want them to become accountants and quantity surveyors uh, and, uh, you know, maybe a lawyer or something like that. Uh, I, don't, I don't want any competition at all, especially not from people who are younger and better looking than me. So, <laughs> well, they've got uh, the genes, I, so they'll be younger well, for, for much longer, you know. Well, they are. They're all better looking than me because they've got a very beautiful mum. So I'm, they, are, they, are in, they are not allowed anywhere near the acting business. I've written to equity already uh, and, they, and they, won't be, uh, they won't be allowed in. Oh. Well, I mean, I don't know. It's parenting 101 there, isn't it? Fend for yourselves. Yeah. <laughs> Forget it. Forget so, it. They're, they're on their own. They've got to learn that early, I think. That's a very important lesson to learn in life. You're all alone. No nepotism <laughs> here. Well, look, we mentioned the, the kind of sheer volume of books that were produced in 2020, and, and that's why you're, you're, you're one of the judges, and I love the sound of this, the Costa Book of the Year. It's, it's, it's been going for a long time now. I always enjoy seeing what's been reviewed and rated as, as the best. And you're one of the judges, which I find really yeah. exciting because the overall winner will find out I think it's Tuesday, isn't it? The 26th. That's right. Yeah. Categories are already known. We know the sort of of leaders in the top five categories. And I must say, if there was ever a time, it's kind of, it's a twofold thing, really. If there was ever a time to be judging Book of the Year, it's firstly the year where more books are clearly written than ever before, because there's going to be a lot of competition. And secondly, when actually you've got some time on your hands to just dive into a book. Yeah, I mean, I think book sales have gone up, you know, by quite a big margin, and people are rediscovering the joy of reading. Um, uh, so, yeah, it, I mean, it's what a thrill to be on a, a panel with some, you know, very uh, notable figures from the book world. And and yes, as you say, it's a, it's an interesting um, uh, prize because there are the Costa, Costa Award five uh, prizes to five separate categories. Uh, best novel, first book, children's book, poetry, and biography. Mm. And those five winners have already been decided. So what we are deciding is the book of the year, which is which one of those five, which one of those five category winning books is, you know, is in our eyes the book of the year. And that's a, it's a really interesting challenge that because how do you compare a biography with a book of poetry or with a, you know, with a children's book? So, um, uh, I think for me, uh, the, the glory of it has been that there are five books that I don't think I would have read otherwise, uh, and they're all stunning. I mean, you know, but, but by definition, as, as being voted already the best novel or whatever of the year. So, yeah, five really fantastic books uh, dealing in um, in a whole range of stuff. The poetry book is, is called The Historians. It's written by a poet that actually died. She died last year, aged mm. about 75, I think, and uh, and, and it's a it's a book all about her. You know, is poetry is is her poetry good enough? Is uh, history good enough? Is the way that history leaves out the stories of ordinary people 
um, does that, you know, how does that weaken us, weaken the story if, if it doesn't tell the story of all the mothers and the families, um, uh, you know, and, and just tells the story of the, the kings and the politicians. So that's a fascinating book. Oh, really? And, and it's really interesting because she's sort of looking back on her her ability to write poetry and because she, you know, it's now a posthumous book, it's got this sort of extra layer of, of, uh, of depth and, and, and sort of uh, intrigue to it. There's a lovely book about a mermaid, the one, the best novel. Uh, it's called The Mermaid of Black Conch, which is a book out of the West Indies, uh, which is sort of a retelling of the mermaid myth in the modern day. Um, there's a, The best first novel is Love After Love, which is a, a, a sort of story told from three perspectives, again from the West Indies. Um, uh, a really amazing new uh, writer, uh, Ingrid Passat, uh, that's a lovely book, and then uh, you know um, uh, the best biography is um, Lee Lawrence talking about Cherry Gross. You remember the woman who was shot by the police? Yes, this uh, is uh, in, the louder uh, in I Brixton. will sing, isn't it? Yeah, the louder yeah. I will sing. Another amazing story, um, and then the children's book about two kids who take a canal longboat and um, uh, take it down the canals, down the Thames, across the Channel, <laughs> and into France to try and find somebody so you know i mean what a mixture um so out of of those five uh very very different books dealing with very different subjects in very different forms we have to somehow try and pick a winner it's going to be a really interesting kind of task well how do you i mean presumably you you have kind of virtual roundtable discussions with the other judges of which there are several which is great you know there's 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 a a weight of responsibility on you but it's it's a shared one it's not like atlas on its own which is it's not me yeah going oh god i don't know what to do (laughs) yeah a b c d uh eeny meeny that'll do yeah no yeah but but how do you sort of i mean is it the one that stays with you the longest is it the one that you dream about is it the one that you just can't stop kind of thinking about when you're standing in the supermarket queue to get your groceries what's what's the sort of thing that, that that touches you with these I think, yeah, I think it's the one you just want to take to a friend and say, you've got to read this book mm-hmm. or you've got to read these poems or you've got to read this biography. I think it's, I think it's that. I think it's, it's, I think what else can you do? Because, uh, you know, in a way it's like saying, what's a better sport, cricket or football? You know, I mean, it, they're, they're different. Um, well, yes, uh, except so, the so, is football. I mean, that would still Well, well like, the, except the answer is cricket, of course. <laughs> well, you're, well, you're, <laughs> says a Spurs fan, to be fair. I'm okay, a huge Spurs yeah. fan. That's why <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> cricket's a better game. You would have said um, differently when Pochettino was manager, though, right? I mean, it's, I would have done. Yeah. I would have done. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I, I, I think you, you know, I mean, it, the judging art inevitably is, you know, I, I, we find this on Portrait Artist of the Year and Landscape Artist of the Year. I mean, you know, it's a subjective thing. How mm. you, it's not, it's not. They're not running the hundred meters. You can't say definitively that person was the best. Uh, it's a combination of. The, the group of judges that are brought together, the sort of mood and the you know the timing of the book coming out, does it catch something in a mood uh, you know in, in, the, the, out there in the, in the nation? Um, it's 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 sort of ephemeral. That you know the criteria we use are kind of subjective, um, but you know we have to make a decision. And my advice would be um, go out and read all five of the category winners because they're all. You know, incredible books. I don't yet know who's going to win the book of the year, but um, you know, you won't go you won't go far wrong with any of the five that are selected. I think this is so exciting, and I'm pleased to say that that obviously one of the it's not a it's not an advantage of lockdown, but one of the one of the byproducts of lockdown is now access to virtual events. You know, it might have been quite difficult to get to you know the announcement of this, you know, tickets and so on in previous times but now it's it's going to be online and and i think that's great i'll be watching it's costa book of the uh, bookawards.com isn't it it's a you just go to the website it'll be streamed as a live ceremony that's right which i think exactly is right really exciting yeah i mean it, you know we're, we're learning to sort of uh, do things in a different way aren't we across all kind of uh, so yeah um uh, anything that draws attention to books you know is is welcome i think because uh, they are uh, you know, having written one now, I know how hard they are to write, uh, and how much work goes in, and how um, uh, how in the rush to sort of embrace all sorts of new technologies. I mean, I would look at my kids wandering around, but watching YouTube videos, and I've just become that dad who's like, "Why can't you read a book?" <laughs> uh, you know, I've just I'm now that guy. But I suppose you know the way the way they'll probably get them reading book more books when I mean, they do read books, but more books is 
is to see me reading them, reading them and to see me enjoying them and to hear me talking about them. And hopefully, you know, me standing over them going, read a book, you know, put that YouTube video down is not going to work. Um, so you, you hope that all that knowledge, all that wit, all that um, experience that great writers can get across in a book, um, which is a form like no other because it's so intimate. Um, uh, you know, it, it's 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 invaluable, and you know, you because I love it so much. You want to pass that on, that enjoyment, that joy on uh, to other people. Uh, so, um, you know, that's partly why I'm involved in the Costa Book Awards because uh, you know they're doing great stuff in promoting the joy of books. Oh, what an eloquent way to put it! And, and as we've mentioned, of course, there is a, a children's category. You have just written a children's book, 2021. Are you going to be like greasing the wheels a little bit? Well, I know some people. Well, hello. I know the I know the people who run it now, so I know where they live. That's all. I'm, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna leave it there. Yeah. <laughs> well, I look forward to congratulating you next year on your children's book of 2021. <laughs> Yeah, Brilliant. we'll see. Brilliant. So cost, costabookawards.com is, is where you can get all the details and crucially watch the, the unveiling of the winner, which I'm really looking forward to. Stephen, it's, it's been such a pleasure talking to you. And, and Thank I wish you for having me on. All the success moving forwards, not just with homeschooling, but of course with the book and whatever adventures lie in wait. I'm sure there's masses and masses of exciting things on the way for you. So thank you very much for your company. Thank you. Appreciate it. Cheers. The Andy J Podcast. Right, I am absolutely thrilled to welcome to the show now a singing superstar. I mean, I'm talking about musical royalty here. It is the glorious, the one and only Bonnie Tyler. How are you doing, Bonnie? Oh, wow, what an intro. Thank you so much. <laughs> Entirely factual, Bonnie. How, how's things? How are you getting on? Oh, well, I'm in lockdown in, in the beautiful Algarve, so it, it's, uh, it's it's been beautiful, to be honest. But, I mean, we are on lockdown. The restaurants are barbecues and things like that. But I've learned to cook now, so I'm cooking every night. And at the grand age of 69, I've just learned to swim. Well, <laughs> fancy that. That's amazing. I know. <laughs> Take me long enough. What was the catalyst for that? You just thought, I've got a bit of time on my hands. I'll get a new skill. Absolutely. All summer in the pool. But uh, no, I, I should have learned to swim way before now. But I I had a lot of traumas, you know, in the sea and falling off my yacht and everything. So uh, I, I'm a bit afraid of the water, but I, I'm not anymore. Although I don't go in the deep end. I do 40 whips a day instead. <laughs> <laughs> well, fair anyway, enough. Anyway, what do you think of my new album? Do you know what? I absolutely love it. And I have a question, right? So for our dear what? listeners, the great news is that Bonnie has a new single out next week and a new album out on the 26th of February, which is fantastic news. And I've got to ask you, Bonnie, the new single, mm-hmm. the best is yet to come, the, the chorus, yeah. are we looking at, because this is some good news for the pandemic, the chorus is the best is yet to come, we got the bad days on the run. Turn your head up to the sun, the best Absolutely. is yet to come. I mean, is that because the, <laughs> we're seeing the end of the pandemic? Please tell me you've been crystal balling oh. for this. I think we had a crystal ball there because it was recorded before the pandemic. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but no, it's a fantastic song to sing. I can't wait to get out there with my band and do the live shows, you know. 79 of my shows were postponed till this year and into next year as well. But they're all they're all going to be still on, but, um, you know, they were just postponed. Absolutely. So, uh, yeah, the album is called that as well, The Best Is Yet To Come. I've got but to... there are some great tracks for live work on there, you know, oh. that I can't wait to do with the boys. I'm, my band. I'm so lucky to have had a, a privileged pre-listen, Bonnie, because I've got to say, it is, it's a stonking album. And I must say, without sounding too sycophantic here, your voice is just smashing. I mean, it's really there, isn't it? My voice is stronger than ever. You know why? Even though I'm in uh, lockdown, like we all are, um, I, I still phone my voice coach three times a week, James Windsor. He's wonderful. And we have a um, a good old chin wag as well as a lesson three times a week. <laughs> it's amazing. I mean, you've and, got the power, the uh, no. range, that famous husky rasp. It's fabulous. It just sounds absolutely... Thank you so much. You know, a, a lot of people are saying this is the best album I've ever done. And, you know, like most rock uh, uh, music fans, I love Bruce Springsteen and Rod Stewart, you know. Yeah. And uh, 
And when I heard the the, the demos for the the songs, especially the ones Steve Womack wrote me, you know, um, it's just like he captures that timeless rock feel, you know, yes. that I love, yes. and I I just love, and the choruses are amazing, you know. Oh, it's so catchy, um, so catchy, and yeah, uplifting and feel good. And and I'll tell you what, Bonnie, I don't know if you agree with this, but because of lockdown and because of the pandemic and everyone staying indoors and and watching Netflix and all yeah. that kind of stuff. I must feel personally that there is a real sort of there's a newfound affection and love for for that eighties vibe. Do you know what I mean? And I think that's very. Do you know this this album is very eighties, isn't it? It's yeah. very um, powerful. Uh, the production is. I think Tim Steinman would be proud of me. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> because it's it's the production is great. I'm working again with uh, a friend, a longtime friend and producer, David uh, uh, David Mackay. And uh, oh, he's done a brilliant job. It, it was an absolute joy making the album, you know. I, I did it, uh, like, in between touring. Uh, I'd fly into Heathrow and I'd, I'd go, like, 20 minutes down the road to David's house or whatever, and we'd do a, a song here and there, you know. And then I'd go home to Wales and then back out on the road again and then back to David. And... Um, yeah, I've done the last two albums with him now. Really? The, the album before this one, Between the Earth and the Stars, a considerable success as well. Oh, yeah, that was huge. I mean, records, records don't sell anymore. It's all streaming, you know, but it's the live work, you know. It's great to have new songs for the live shows. Yes, absolutely. And, and you know, one of the things that I think is consistent since the, the COVID-19 pandemic is is that people want entertaining and we need new content. And and I would say, you know, with the 80s thing, with shows like Cobra Kai and Stranger Things, etc., that's, I think, where people have gone, oh, yeah, the 80s was amazing. And for you to be able to come back in and go, right, for album number 18, just feast your ears on this. I mean, it's a real treat, <laughs> isn't it? It is. You know, I mean, of course, I'm biased because it's mine, but... <laughs> You know, honest to God, uh, you know, I, I'm on the promo trail at the moment. You know, I'm doing interviews all the time. And I, you know, I haven't had this response from journalists since the 80s. Honest to God. Wow. It's been awesome. People genuinely love it, you know. That's brilliant. Well, they love it because it's great, Bonnie. I mean, it's 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 very. I guess it's it's, it's one thing for you because you've had so many hits and 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 hits that when yeah. we when we talk about hits these days, as you say, the streaming and whatever else, people necessarily the youngsters listening to this won't won't quite be able to connect with this. You know, something like Total Eclipse of the Heart. It's a heartache. They sold over six million physical copies. I mean, that's I know. astonishing. I know, and that was just the first time around, and then I had. Um uh, you know, the, you know, on so many compilations and whatever. Yeah. But al- also, um, I did a duet of Total Eclipse of the Heart in France uh, about ten years ago, something like that, and um, it went to number one for twelve weeks. Wow. Where me and Karen, uh, yeah, Karen. Uh, oh God, I've forgotten her last name now. Oh, <laughs> terrible. Um, She'll forgive you. Anyway, you, you we were number one in France. Weeks. For 12 She'll be all right. Weeks. <laughs> Karina Anton, that was her name, yeah. Brilliant, there it is. Yeah, Karina Anton. That's wonderful. Yeah. Bonnie, can we talk about you? Because your journey is, is quite incredible. And, and this radio show, we like to find out what drives people, what keeps people going. And, and, and some of that, I must say, from what I've been learning over the last hundred or so celebrity interviews, it, it, it sort of starts with, with foundations, with childhood. And, and your childhood seems yeah. absolutely captivating. You know, huge family. I mean, what was it? Three sisters, yeah. two brothers. That's a Three? colossal family. That's right. You know. Uh, yes, you, you... and there was always music in the house. My mother was an incredible opera singer. Not, she didn't do it professionally. She had too many kids to look after. But there was always music on in the house, you know. Yeah. And where you know, people used to stand outside the house just to listen to my mother singing. Her voice was incredible. And uh, anyway. But there was all kinds of music being played, you know. I remember she used to have a stack of 78 records until I kneeled on them one day by accident. Oh, no. And they all cracked through oh, the middle. No. Oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> and my mother was such an angel. She was such a wonderful person, you know. She never smacked me or anything like that, you know. And But it must have broken her heart because they were her life's music, you know, yeah. and her kids, of course. But anyway, my brother... My eldest brother was into Eddie Cochran and Elvis Presley. My eldest sister was into um, 
um, like Mark Monroe and uh, Blue Eyes, you okay. know. And uh, yeah, my other sister was into the Beatles. She gave me my first album, A Hard Day's Night, and I used to sing along with that. I know every word of that that album. I used to sing along with in the, my bedroom with that. And I obviously, you know, like people like Janis Joplin and Tina Turner, that's the influence that I loved, you know. Uh, and uh, anyway, so I was always upstairs singing in my bedroom and my, my auntie came to visit, like, as she did very often, and she said, Gaina is always singing, that's my real name. Gaina's always singing up there. She said, she's got a great voice. She said, I'm going to put her name down in the local talent competition in the rugby club, she said. And uh, I said, oh, no, don't do that. Don't do that. I, <laughs> I, I won't be able to do it, you know. Yes, you will, she said. So, so anyway, you know, I, I, I really wanted to do it, but I, I was nervous, you know. Right, right. But anyway, I did do it. And I, I sang and I came second. First time I'd ever sang on a real mic. <laughs> wow. So anyway, yes. And then it was like... Uh, it was meant to be. There was an advertisement in the local paper looking for girl singers to join this wonderful singer called Bobby Wayne. And it would be Bobby Wayne and the Dixie. Well, I went along to the audition. I wrote a groveling letter <laughs> to um, Ronnie Williams at the time. Please, please, please give me a chance. Please let me have an audition. Anyway, so I ended up going for the audition. And that turned out to be about 35 girls there oh. looking for the job, you know. Because uh, in them days, residencies was a great way of getting your, um, you know, uh, learning your trade, like, right. you know. Yeah, so anyway, sense. I went along and I got that job as well. So from just working in a shop in the daytime, I left school on Friday. I was working by Monday. I had two jobs to pick from. By the, I went around all the shops in my village when I left school on Friday and asked them, did anybody have uh, um, space for a, a, a shop assistant, you know? And by, I had two jobs by Monday. <laughs> anyway, to buy makeup and clothes. But anyway, <laughs> then I started singing in the night, you know? And I couldn't get up then in the morning after about a year. Oh, knackering, you know? So I uh, gave up the day job and um, I just... Uh, I was singing six nights a week, every week for the next seven years, having a ball. I loved it. I didn't come into the business to be recording or, you know, to be famous. I wanted, always wanted to be a singer in a band, you know. Yeah. And I was, I I was living the dream, you know. And then, quite by accident, um, Roger Bell, talent scout working for Ronnie Scott in London, Ronnie Scott, uh, the songwriter, not the jazz man. Yep. Um, he was looking for a girl to sing uh, Lost in France. And he, he went on then to record, uh, to write It's a House and everything. So this uh, song, this talent scout came in, um, but he didn't come to the club to listen to me. He'd heard about the boy singing in the band upstairs, who was amazing. Victor Oakley, his name was. And uh, he came in on the wrong floor. And he heard me singing, oh. and he went back to London. And I, a week or so later, I was invited to London to do some demos. I'd never been in a studio in my life before, and it was I, it was quite amazing, you know. So that's how it all started. So I had my first hit record in 1976, and I haven't looked back since. Wow. What an amazing story. And I've got to say, you know, we'll take you back to the, to, to the talent show, which you came second. Who came first? Tom Jones? You know, come on. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, isn't he amazing? Did you see him on The Voice the other night? Sitting oh, down, yeah. singing that song. Yeah. How the hell is he do it while he's sitting down? You know, um, i got to stand up when I sing. I, I could never sing sitting down. But no, it was, believe it or not, it was an accordion artist that came first. <laughs> I mean, I know a joke about an accordion artist, and it was like this. Um, don't worry, it's clean. <laughs> um, what's the difference between an accordion and an onion? <laughs> you don't cry cutting up an 
cold yet. <laughs> I, I, I love it. That's brilliant. Well, That's brilliant. My mother wouldn't have liked that joke, though, because when she was young, she used to play the accordion. You know, they used to have um, concerts in their concrete shed in the, in the garden, you know. Oh, yeah. brilliant. Brilliant. Uh, I mean, Bonnie, you, we, we sort of mentioned talent shows and you, you brought up the voice there. You know, what do you think about it? Because, of course, this is for, for, for kind of new ones wanting to get in now, new the stars of the future, etc. We've got the voice, we've got X Factor and things like that. Do you think they're still kind yeah. of uh, as relevant? Because when you talk about the one you went to, it was a local kind of community feel in the rugby club, etc. Yeah. Do you think they're still, because now they're huge with social media, etc. and public votes and whatnot. Is it still work? Do we yeah. still find stars? Well, I don't remember any of them that have won The Voice having mm. a record contract. Mm. But there have been some great singers on there, no doubt about that. But, you you know, you can't beat the old way of uh, forming a band, uh, learning your, you know, your go to rehearsals twice a week, learn the songs that, you know, everybody wants to hear in the dance hall, like that's what it was in the... 60s and the late 60s when I started singing in 1969. And, you know, the, you used to sing all the songs that were in the charts and people used to dance to them, you know. Yeah. And uh, it's completely different now. It's not It's not so easy for the kids to get residencies as it was. I, I did all the residencies going around Wales, you know, and, um, you know, I did all the shows like in between chicken and chips and bingo, two 45-minute <laughs> spots. You know, <laughs> and it's all it's all um, uh, experience. You know, yes, yes. you can't beat experience. But you know, I never, I never sent away tapes to record companies. It didn't even enter my head to do such a thing. You know, to uh, see if I could get a deal. I, I, I just, I never thought anything would happen apart from me just enjoying myself in a local band. You know. I love it. Uh, but then, as I said, you know, I got that uh, lovely um, opportunity with, when the talent came to Swansea from London. Well, I mean, yeah. it, doesn't it? There's the old phrase, isn't there, Bonnie? Which is the cream rises. You know, and one way, one way or another, it gets to the top. And and I mean, there's your there's your fate moment, isn't there? You knew the talent was there in abundance. The work ethic clearly oozing through you, true yeah. grit, as we like to say. You know, just, yeah. You just sort of feel that's how it's happened, hasn't it? You've got the skills isn't and the it, talent. Isn't it and the amazing? Dedication. Yeah. The, the faith and the dedication. But the thing is, see, my mother, who was a beautiful singer and all the singing, as I told you, she was very, very shy. She used to sing, but she'd face the wall, you know, oh. if, if any strangers were in the house, you know. She, My father would say, Sing for him, girl. He'd go, right? And uh, she. She'd stand with her face towards the wall singing because she was too embarrassed. But she always said to me, believe in yourself, she said, and go for it. Because nobody's going to do it for you, yeah. you know? And, you know, she always gave me um, the, you know, the courage to do it, you know? Oh, great. Yeah. I'm so She's glad wonderful. she did. I'm so glad she did. I've, I've, <laughs> I've got two more for you because I know you're very tight on time. You know, you mentioned your your real name is Gainer. You you changed your name yeah. twice, didn't you? I believe you had a, a stage name before Bonnie Tyler, Shireen. Davis. I know it, it's really strange. Yeah, you're right. I changed my name uh, in the seventies to my sister had just had the the first niece from uh, you know, and uh, her name was Shireen. Hmm. And I never really liked my own name, Gainer. So I thought, oh, I'm going to change it to Shireen. I love that name. <laughs> so I changed it to Shireen. And my my favorite auntie, uh, her last name was Davis. And so I called myself Shireen Davis. That's stupid, isn't it? But anyway, I... <laughs> I like it. It's great. I was Shireen Davis for years and years and years. And uh, even on my uh, our wedding invitation, um, I, I had to put... Dana Shireen Hopkins, because people would have wondered, <laughs> who the hell is, uh, you know, who the hell is Bonnie like? But uh, anyway, um, so I, I changed it then. I, I changed it again to Bonnie then later on, because um, the uh, my manager at the time, he said, would you mind if you changed your name? He said, 
Chewing sounds like a bit of a belly dancer. I said, oh, I don't mind. <laughs> I, don't, I don't mind. I'll change it. So what I did, I got two big broadsheets and I wrote two lists. One list of all the surnames in there. One list of all the uh, Christian names. And I just went down the list and came up with Bonnie Tyler. I'd always really? loved the name Bonnie. Yeah. And I, I suppose Stephen Tyler must have been in uh, the paper at the time. I don't know. Love it. So you got, you're connected to Aerosmith as well. Fantastic. <laughs> in, in more ways than one. Because uh, Desmond Child, who wrote one of the songs on the album, um, Stronger Than a Man, uh, I rang him up because uh, I've worked with him many times before. And he works with John Bon Jovi and Aerosmith. And I, I rang him up and, and asked him if he could send me a, a new song, you know, because I know him well, because I've done an album with him in the past. And... Um, so he sent me that song, Stronger Than a Man. Oh, my God. I love it. Wow. And uh, so I've done it, yeah. Brilliant. And he Brilliant. writes uh, for Aerosmith, John Bon Jovi, you know. Fantastic. So that's the connection. Fantastic. Wow. <laughs> oh, Bonnie, I could talk to you all day. Although I don't know whether to call you Bonnie now or Shireen or, or Gaynor. I mean, which... <laughs> <laughs> Which, oh, me. oh, brilliant. Well, I mean, listen, My Bonnie. family all call me Gaynor, of course. Yes. You know, yes. I'm Auntie Gaynor. To 16 nieces and nephews. Yeah. Blimey. Wow. wow. I know. I mean, My Christmas list is like a mile long. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they've all got kids as well now, you know. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah. Uh, I mean, Bonnie, you know, you just sound so so full of passion and life. I usually ask people what drives them, but it seems to me that, that, that life drives you, music drives you, entertaining. Oh, I'm very happy, yes. Thank God. And we do thank God for our blessings every day, you know. Because, uh, I mean, I'm so blessed to have come from my last show in March, March the 15th, the day of lockdown, yeah. and arrived here in the sunshine in the Algarve, you know. And I'm just looking out my window now. The sea is glistening and it's just beautiful, you know. Oh, Go and put a walk down there later. Yeah. Lovely. Well, you've earned it, Bonnie. You've earned it. And you're spreading sunshine through your music, which I, I'm, I'm so thrilled by. <laughs> Or we'll play a few of the tracks now then. <laughs> <laughs> you got it. You got it. Thank you so yeah, much, Bonnie. Yeah. It's been an absolute joy talking to you. I genuinely love yeah. the new, the new, the single is brilliant, but the whole album is just a joy. So I wish you every success. It, it, I think it's going to do brilliantly. Thank you. I hope you're right. It's uplifting and that's what we all need at the moment. Absolutely. 100%. Thank you. Take care, Bonnie. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Bye. Thank you very much. Bye. Take care. Bye-bye. If you're enjoying the Andy J podcast, we'd love a review. In fact, if you're enjoying the show, why not tell your friends? Podcasts live and die on, well, often word of mouth, so please tell your friends. Like, subscribe, review, and share. Thank you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.